This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. All right, Dave, we're back. Another doozy. Another doozy. Another episode of that naturopathic uh, podcast. Yeah, that's the name of our podcast. That is the one. And uh, this is uh, COVID part two. We had the king and now we got the queen. We have the queen. Dr. Tina Moore, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. We, so we are very excited to have you. And uh, we, Dave admittedly has a bromance for Dr. Paul Anderson, who is <laughs> such a leader and smarty pants in our profession. But um, I asked Dave beforehand what, what the equivalent is in females, because I, I'd say if I wanted to choose a female leader in our profession who just has like the passion, but like the geeks and the clinical skill behind her, that would be, that would be you for me. So it's a really an honor to have you here. Oh, thank you. You guys are gonna make me cry. I love Paul too. He is, uh, he is the great white North. He's, he, you know, he's, we, we all love him very, very much and we appreciate him. You're like Paul, female version, younger, maybe cooler. I don't want to offend him because he's pretty cool, (laughs) but you're like Paul female, but with a Molotov cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, I say fuck more readily. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and you could probably lift Paul over your head as well. I don't know. He's no? pretty strong. He's yeah. pretty strong. And he, uh, he does these, these walks around his area with like a weighted vest. And then he does these like intense walks or like, you know, speed walking with this, this heavy weighted vest. He's a pretty strong dude. And he's a lot smarter than me any day. So I shall well. not take him on. <laughs> I don't know about that, but, and, and our original topic uh, that we had you um, wanting to come on for was your expertise of regenerative medicine. And we were going to talk all things joint health, uh, but we've decided to defer that for now, just given the uh, immediate nature of what's happening. Yeah. We need yeah. the leaders. We need the leaders in our uh, profession right now. So the timing is actually just perfect for a little bit of a pivot here. Awesome. Yeah. I'm ready. Tina, do you want to tell us a little bit, just, just what's your experience been so far um, in the last few weeks as, as COVID's ramped up? You're also coming to us from the, uh, the West Coast. Yeah, Portland, Oregon. Well, I'm out in the country right now. I, uh, I have a boyfriend who owns 40 acres out in the country. So I, am, so I have sequestered myself and my dog out there. But yeah, so I'm, I live in Portland. I've, I had a practice in Portland for over a decade. I, my background is that I was you know, raised up and mentored by Dr. Rick Marinelli, who was a, 
huge force in our profession. And if you were to ask Paul about Dr. Rick, he would probably get a little teary-eyed because Rick is, was an amazing man. And I had the honor of spending decades with him and learning from him and learning really good old school naturopathic medicine from him and, and seeing in real time how things were applied. So that was incredible. Um, that was before I was his receptionist. So I just, you know, I spent a long time with that guy and he brought regenerative medicine to our profession. So I learned from the best, I believe. Uh, I joke that this is in my blood because I've been around naturopathic medicine over half my life. I think I was 23 when I met Rick, 22, 23. And I just had never seen anything like it. And so I did not become a physician until 10 years later, a you know, licensed naturopathic physician myself. But I have been in this profession and around this profession, whether people know of me or not, for a really, really long time. And I'm 46 now. So that's over half my life. And I believe in it wholeheartedly. And we are, you know, the way that this virus works and the way that it is infecting people's cells is just absolutely 100%. Like, this is our jam. This is mm -hmm. what we do. This is what mm -hmm. we do best. It's lifestyle medicine. And um, I did a podcast with Karan Krishnan that released today that you guys can go listen to. I will surmise what I learned from him because he's such a super smarty pants. Um, the way that this virus is attacking people, I don't think we've seen the worst of what's going to happen in North America. I know people are discounting the severity of the situation, but this, this organism targets inflamed people. And we have a whole continent, particularly in, in, in uh, the U.S., of inflamed people. <laughs> and You mean like chronically inflamed people? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Um, it sits on a receptor called the ACE2 receptor, which is present in your vascular system, your heart, your kidneys, your lungs, your liver. Uh, it, it's particular to the, I think, the type 2 pneumocytes in your lungs that create surfactant, which is, you know, you guys know what that is. That's the, mm -hmm. the slippery soapy stuff that keeps your alveoli open. When babies are born prematurely, the concern is that they don't have enough surfactant, right? For the listeners listening. Um, we need that surfactant to keep those alveoli, those little grapes open. So we have a lot of surface area to exchange oxygen. That's where it's attacking along with the other organs I listed. And ACE2 receptors are upregulated in the presence of tissue damage and chronic inflammation. So people who are chronically inflamed, i.e. those with, you know, lifestyles that are not really conducive to good health and longevity, like most Americans, I would say, or more, at least most uh, United States people, at least in particularly parts of the country where obesity is quite an epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, those are the people, those are the cells that the this virus likes to latch onto. And, and can, can you explain to our, our listeners what, so ACE2 is that receptor on the cell and basically the virus kind of knocks on the door yeah. and lets it in. Yeah. So that's the receptor the virus binds to. It has an affinity for the ACE2 receptor, which is part of the angiotensin renin system, which is complicated. But the bottom line is that receptor is being upregulated in those organ systems of individuals who are chronically inflamed. So mm -hmm. I think... I think, I predict, this is going to be a bit of a shit show. I think that's why we're seeing New York and New Jersey get hit so hard because those are pretty inflamed places. Those people, a lot of people living there are pretty chronically inflamed and they're in close capacity to one another. You know, they're living on top of each other. Now, in other parts of the country where we have a lot of inflammation, like let's say some states in the South, those may not, those people may not be living in as close a proximity. So we might, maybe it won't be as bad, but bottom line is this virus likes to 
impact those who are chronically inflamed. I would say autoimmune people would be potentially, you know, who are, who are not controlled, well controlled Mm -hmm. would be in that category as well. And so we have, you know, asthmatics might potentially be in that category, although we're not seeing huge upticks in asthma. I did see on the CDC that severe asthmatics are at risk. Um, obesity, BMIs over 40 are at increased risk. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I don't think this virus has seen North America yet. From what you're, um, because I know you've been really like knee deep into the research of all this. Is there anything different that I know it's early and, you know, we can sometimes uh, take the risk of looking silly in a week or two later, but with what we know now, uh, is there anything different happening in the U.S. compared to like what's happened in Italy, for example? Because that's been sort of, uh, that's kind of been astounding, the the rates in Italy. Well, so the Italians tend, the the group, there's, they have a larger elderly population and a lot of smokers. Mm -hmm. So let's take the elderly smokers and now add obesity, heart disease, and diabetes to it, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like the bulk of North Americans. (laughs) That's, I'm not trying to laugh and make light of it. I just get, I laugh when I get anxious, but like, you know, this, this could be bad is I guess what I'm saying, you know, Italy, everyone's like, oh, but no one's talking about that, how much they smoked or how much older they were. And yeah, but Quran was talking about, you know, people getting hit now that it's moving through the United States towards the West coast more readily. We're seeing the population that was before we were saying this was reserved just for the elderly and now it's impacting younger people at a higher rate mm-hmm. because in America younger people have chronic inflammatory conditions there are kids in America with adult diseases that didn't exist 10 years ago you know yeah, with people- like a third of the population or something being overweight or obese right is it is something it's something staggering like that right it's staggering. And I, you know, I, I got, so I gained 30,000 followers on Instagram in the past week and a half, two weeks, which has been crazy. Cause I made a little video that went viral. That's up to like 370,000 views now or something. I don't know. I, I just made it in my apartment thinking nothing of it. And it went pew. Good video. Um, thank you. Yeah. That was, that was crazy town, but I did get some pushback on there and some people were calling me fatophobic and that's absolutely hundred percent not true. My entire family is, is, would be considered obese, if not morbidly obese. And I'm using the term obesity in a medical way. And I'm talking about people with adiposity of a certain level and that, cha- you know, there's variables of like obese, morbidly obese. And I, I'm not using any of those terms derogatorily. The fact of the matter is, is adipose tissue, particularly depending on where it's located, is pro-inflammatory in most individuals. And so, you know, the, the health at any size movement is a hypothesis at this point. I know it's a great movement and I am, I am pro-body um, acceptance and all of that, but I don't care what size anyone is. I care if people have adequate muscle mass on their body and I care if they're metabolically unsound. So I really don't give a shit what people tell me if they're skinny or they're heavy set. It doesn't matter. I'm like, show me your labs, show me your labs and show me that you're metabolically sound. Show me that your insulin's low, your serum insulin, show me that your hemoglobin A1C is, is reasonable. Show me that your inflammatory markers are in check and then i really don't care what size somebody is but so do you think, i do you think we're tiptoeing around it like because i i have yeah. uh, I, I know comorbidities i mean it's not a nice word right co meaning you know same and morbid meaning death yeah it, it doesn't have like the greatest sort of uh, <laughs> uh etymology but it's like i mean it's it's i think it would be wrong for us to not talk about some of the things that 
not necessarily mean you deserve to get anything, but it does no. increase the probability. I find using probability as like a nice sterile way of, <laughs> of talking about it. But like, do you, do you feel like we're tiptoeing around the idea that, you know, uh, we should just run around, bathe in Purell and continue to eat Doritos and crush like 12 buds a night? It's not like a great solution, really, right? Like, can, can you maybe nor does that it? sound very fun. Well, for some, <laughs> yes. But true. you know, can you maybe expand on that? Like, yes. it's, it might be delicate for some people. But yes. It's just ruthless truth at times. Well, two things. One is facts are facts. So again, show me your labs, and I'll tell you where you're sitting on the inflammatory scale. But I think more importantly, we what you and I were talking about offline prior to hitting record is that we have become a society dependent on a solution to a problem coming in the form of a pill or a thing or treatments, Purell, hand sanitizer, injections, whatever it is. And I've been for years as a regenerative medicine doctor, been telling people much to the uh, dismay of many of our own colleagues who've called me names for it. I'm like, you can't treat people with expensive regenerative injections, if they're chronically inflamed, they won't heal. Like you need an organism that tissues are optimized, that is in a healing state. And I know this because I speak from personal experience. I used to be sick as a dog. I've gone into really severe health crises and pulled myself out a multitude of times. And I've always done so with naturopathic, basic naturopathic treatment guidelines. It happened this summer. I found myself again, in the throes of autoimmune stuff, really sick. And I was like, what do I need to do? I need to start with exactly what I tell my patients. I, you know, steps one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is uh, that we all believe in, but we can't, people keep messaging me on Instagram saying, what's the herb? What's the pill? What's the supplement? What about this? And I'm like, what are you putting in your mouth at, that you're considering your food source? How are you moving your body? How are you sleeping? How are you meditating? Uh, are you locked up with people in quarantine that you can't stand and you're stressed out of your mind? Like all of these things are far, far more important factors than if you're taking enough vitamin C or if you found the magic supplement that might you know, have an impact. And we're not allowed to say cure or prevent because we don't have any literature to support any cures or prevention. I know Dr. Anderson is talking right now about high dose vitamin C and the IV form. That's still not a cure. Um, it's just combative to the viral load. But how about we just not get that high of a viral load? How about we have a robust immune system that is balanced, not too crazy, because we know that this virus is caught, you know, everyone's so worried about the dreaded cytokine storm, meaning your immune, the way this virus is killing people is it gets people's immune system into overdrive and then their immune system obliterates them. But I use the word melt in one of my videos and people got very upset about that. They're like, you can't say it. it's melting tissues. You're, this is clickbait. I'm like, this is not clickbait. That's literally what happens. Like you get this edematous goo that fills your lungs up and your lungs sort of melt. <laughs> what's, you, dr you drowned in yourself. Does that sound better? You drowned in your own goo. Like, there you go. That your body created as an inflammatory response. So anyway, um, we have to change the paradigm here back to one of what is just like the most important thing in naturopathic medicine, which is treat the person in front of you, treat mm -hmm. the person, not the condition, right? We have to treat what we're seeing in front of us. And for you and me, it might not be the same supplement protocol. It might not be the same anything, right? I don't know what, mm -hmm. each that's why I don't know why people keep messaging me on Instagram asking me for medical advice because I cannot help. 
I have to just delete because I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know what your condition is. And let's just say now this episode <laughs> provides no specific medical advice for anyone. We person. are not your doctors. We are not no. your doctors. We are no, not your unless class. we are. Yeah, yes, and and yeah. I'm no I'm nobody's doctor because I closed my practice a year and a half ago. <laughs> so I literally no one's doctor, and I'm not I'm not going to be. So and I'm not for hire. <laughs> so this is this is not medical advice. We're just but, talking. But Tina, you know what I'm really struggling with <clears throat> is that it seems like people are not able to hold uh, what are seemingly uh, opposite views or seemingly. Uh, totally different views and you know you may be able to talk about it uh, better than me but it's like people don't understand that yes it is important to wash your hands and not lick doorknobs um, but if you believe that it's like you forget about the whole other side of things and then you've got some whack jobs on the other side too but it, it's like I don't is it like too complex for the average person to uh, talk about or is there just not enough understanding of having two equally important realities to be able to balance in your mind. I mean, I don't want to get too philosophical, but it seems like people either are one or the other and they have a difficult time understanding that, hey, maybe I won't lick doorknobs, but I will also, uh, you know, maybe shed a hundred pounds of extra weight. It's a good time to stop drinking my face off or stop smoking. Right. Yes. Because we want to be harder to kill. That's the whole goal is resiliency. We're trying to build resiliency to everything. And I have been doing this for years. I put 20 pounds of muscle on my body because I'm a huge believer that muscle mass is key to optimal health. But uh, for various reasons that people have heard me talk about in the past, but it really just, I was a skinny, sickly mess. And I took a good look at myself and I thought, man, I mean, I remember being 19 and having a doctor. I was super emaciated and anorexic and bulimic and autoimmune. And I was a mess. And I had a doctor tell me one good virus and you're going to get taken out. That was his words to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because it was the nineties, right? Everybody was like, it was like heroin chic, like be as skinny as humanly possible to look attractive. Cause you know, thank, thank you, Kate Moss. <laughs> thank you all the super, thank you all the supermodels who gave us, you know, the idea that, you know, in fashion and it's not their fault, fashion, fashion, it was a fashion thing, but yeah, I, I just realized I was extremely easy to kill. And then fast forward many, many years. And there I was in practice and my mentor was dying. Rick did die, Rick Marinelli, who I spoke of, and he was dying of cancer. And I was a mess of health again because of stress and just the weight of the world. And I remember thinking if I fall down right now, I'm going to shatter. Like I felt like all my bones were going to shatter. I was still way underweight, too skinny and had no muscle mass on my body. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to eat and lift weights and I'm going to start really, really, really executing on this. And I would get teased at the gym because I was training so hard and so specifically committed to it that guys at the gym would be like, ho, 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 what are you training so hard for? Like, you look great. I'm like, oh no, dude, this isn't about aesthetics. I'm just trying to be harder to kill. I'm training for life. I'm, and I would jokingly say I'm training for the zombie apocalypse. Like I've been ready for this. <laughs> I, I am not getting taken out easily. And this is a time I think for people to really double down on their health. Like this is not about, there is no cure. There is no magic drug combo that's going to save everybody. This is about getting your shit together so that your immune system doesn't freak out, but responds appropriately. And the only way to ensure that is through the critical pillars that we all speak of, which are not, Mm -hmm. it's not quack medicine. It's nothing crazy. It's get enough sleep, sleep during 
nighttime hours, be awake during daytime hours, sleep on a schedule, don't screw <laughs> around with it, make sure you move every day and get hot. Viruses don't like heat, right? They don't. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything about curing, like viruses just don't survive as well in bodies that stay active and, and warm. They, they like cold, like deconditioned people more, it seems. Um, and that's coming from a lot of variety of sources of, of studies. Eat nutritiously dense food only. <laughs> that's all you get to eat is nutritiously yeah. dense food. Hopefully food that you're preparing for yourself now that you're trapped at home. So you can't go through the drive through of a fast food place. But one of my favorite things you have is your mouth is not a garbage can. Yeah. So that's, that, <laughs> that was a book I was going to write, which I haven't written yet. So no one gets to steal it. But I was, yeah, your mouth is not a garbage can. So eat like you give a damn. I, wrote, I made a post early on when this whole thing started. I was like, eat like you want to live through this. Yes. You know, like, like you yeah. want to survive this. And that's, people thought I was being snarky and I was like, oh no. And boy, <laughs> some, some guy unfollowed me and trashed me because I mentioned how to wash your hands appropriately. I was mentioning, don't forget your thumb. Cause that seems to be a big missed one. And we learned that in medical school, right? People miss their thumbs. And he just shredded me on Instagram. I had to delete it. It was so hateful. And I, I'm looking back now and I'm like, man, I bet that guy feels like a fool. Cause I, you know, I was talking the truth. <laughs> so yeah, we can wash our hands and we can have good hygiene, but I think the hygiene of our body and the terrain, it's the terrain versus organism. If our terrain is strong and stable and balanced, it will be a lot less susceptible to whatever organisms come our way. Yeah, it's it's um, just nature, right? Like, what do the predators go after? The biggest, strongest, fastest prey? Nope. It's not how it goes. Ever watch a nature <laughs> show? You know? And it's interesting. Someone said to me, and I've heard it numerous times, like, oh, this is going to last. We're in isolation. This is going to last for 18 months because that's how long it's going to take to develop a vaccine. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> First of all, that's, that goes back to that mentality of, oh, it's okay. They're going to develop a new diabetes drug, or they're going to develop yes. a hypertension drug, or they're going to develop this vaccine in 18 months. And I said, no, the, the cure for this for you started 18 months ago or four years ago when you got your, as you said, you got your shit together and you realized how valuable your health was. And so... It's yes. Not a wake up call. Yes. Yeah, so we yeah. become dependent on the medical system at large to provide us a pill or a shot as a solution to an infection or a problem. And unfortunately, so many Americans have just developed and continue because it's all the same thing, you guys. If you have diabetes and you're having kidney changes, you I guarantee you you're having cardiovascular and retinal changes at the same time. This is not isolated to one thing. They're just finding the thing. And if you have diabetes, I guarantee for the past 10 years you've had blood sugar dysregulation. It didn't just show up as diabetes, but now we hit the magic number. So now we have diabetes. My dad, I told my dad for 20 years that he was pre-diabetic, and he just because I knew because I worked for Rick, and he kept blowing me off and telling me I had a poor bedside manner. And then one day he's like, the doctor says I might be getting close to diabetes on my lab work. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I am like, I don't even know what to say right now. Like why, what part of this for yeah. 20 years are you not hearing? And so the, all the changes were happening in real time. And we've become so dependent on this solution to a problem. And it's that clear cut. Like I have a, mm -hmm. di I have a diagnosis and there is a pill. This 
doesn't work. This model doesn't work. This is why so many doctors are moving towards functional medicine. This is why naturopathic doctors have known this forever. Like you have to treat the terrain. I am interested in the person in front of me. If both of you came to me sick with the same diagnoses, I would treat both of you very differently as I'm sure you do your patients, right? Mm -hmm. We have to treat the person in front of us and we have to optimize their health. I'm far more interested why the person in front of me is presenting with asthmatic symptoms than calling them an asthmatic and giving them an inhaler to help open their lungs. I want to know why their bronchioles are inflamed and why they're clamping down on their lungs. I want to know what they're eating, how they're sleeping, what their stress level is, all of the things that are going to impact their lung function, which is also a reflection of their cardiovascular function. It's all the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like my six okay. favorite supplements are like for everything. <laughs> okay, prediction here that will make us maybe look really good or bad in the future. Do you think that this uh, pandemic will make people think more about flattening their own curve number yes. one and then number two do you think um uh, this will actually benefit uh naturopathic doctors or doctors who have something to do with salutogenesis or like creating health yes i think yes to both i think that a Everybody has to take their health into their own hands individually and really, really work to optimize it now. And just FYI, and you guys know this, I don't see metabolic changes occurring on labs until about 90 days in of people working really diligently to make potent lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like you start eating well and three days later, it all goes away. It's, it's like a three-month haul before we really start to see things level out right for that curve to flatten i loved your post the other day on instagram like flatten your own curve which is 100 percent. and then two i think every healthcare practitioner out there who's speaking our language is going to be at the front lines you know we need all of them we need we need the ones that even maybe naturopathic doctors have considered competition which is not you know we need the functional medicine doctors we need the integrative medicine doctors we need the health coaches we need the nutritional therapists we need everybody who's preaching diet and lifestyle to step up. This isn't about supplements. This isn't about turf wars. We just need the healers to heal. And our grandparents probably know best. You know, if anybody has grandparents that are 70, 80 years old, talk to them. Mm -hmm. If they're healthy, if they're healthy, especially, man, those folks know how to do it. <laughs> they know. Yeah. They know you got to move every day. I have so many patients, as you guys probably do too, that elderly that I would do regenerative injections on. And they were like, I got to keep moving. If I even stop for a day, I'm going to die. Like I got to keep moving. And their mm -hmm. nutrition is really important. And they know they need to source their food from non-toxic sources. Um, we just, it's shifted in the past several generations. I'm 46 and I still remember like even medical doctors when I was a kid, because I was a really sick kid telling me, that I needed to eat better. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to avoid white foods. I needed to reduce my sugar intake. I needed to get more exercise. Simple stuff. Sleep. Like, this isn't quackery. It's mm -hmm. somebody came on my professional Facebook page and like just slaughtered me today. It was like, you're a quack. Naturopathic doctors are quacks. Chiropractors are quacks. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, because we're talking about common, the clinical application of common sense, that's quackery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I was saying. People don't seem to be able to hold in their minds the idea that um, those basic fundamentals of health promotion are, are to be, um, you know, to be valued equally to specific interventions, which at times can save our lives. And by the way, will work better when they go into a healthier body, a healthier system. 
Yes. I feel like that, that maybe in medicine, like I feel like the same. Uh, I had a, I had a great, I had an amazing medical doctor when I was uh, young and uh, he, 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 it's like, he was different. He was just so different. He was like really funny. He was, uh, he knew the basics. He, he'd say, he'd call you out on whatever in a, good way and he was a great clinician maybe we had more time then i don't know i mean are we in a different zone here in ontario maybe i don't know it was like if they had more time or whatever but i think like older medical doctors had a really good handle on um some of those basics common sense yeah we weren't so reliant on pharmaceuticals then because we didn't have so many So, you know, we didn't have so many lab tests and pharmaceuticals to, I I think we've deferred responsibility to pills and tests and, and then everybody's worried about getting sued. Every doctor's worried about getting sued. So everyone punts to specialists because it's like, well, I don't want this on my plate. Let's get it over. That's what's happening. You guys, like you guys know this, but for the listeners, that's the stand, like you go to your GP and then they refer if it's, if it's cardiovascular, you get sent to the cardio doc. If it's gut, you get sent to the gut doc because nobody wants to get their ass sued. And I know it's probably a little different in Canada, but in the U S like that's how it works. And it's crazy town. And when patients, I could tell you, exactly how it's going to go down for a Medicare patient or how it's going to go down for my parents when they walk in the door. I, I'm like, this is what they're going to do to you because this is the procedures and policies to protect the doctor. And it's not that the doctor is evil. It's that the system is broken and that's how we're working. And I, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that, but we are, <clears throat> we are being overburdened by a sick healthcare population and no one's looking at the food supply and no one's looking at the fast food and the processed food producers. No one's blaming the soda industry for exorbitant rates of diabetes, but we're sitting here going like hoard toilet paper and make sure you wash your hands. And it's like, how about you just make the person harder to kill? That takes time and effort though. And it's not, you have to put blame back on yourself. I blame, Mm -hmm. I take full blame for all my autoimmune conditions. I take full blame for my chronic sicknesses I've had. I did that to myself. And I am learning, I am unwinding that myself. And thankfully I have the knowledge base and I have wonderful friends like you guys to ask when I am stuck. But for the average listener out there, the information is out there. You just have to maybe read a book or go. That's what I'm finding on Instagram. People are wanting me to disseminate information. Like I'm some kind of like high level scientist. I'm like, you guys, I'm literally reading off the CDC website. Yeah. Just open your computer and put it in and read it. I understand that sometimes the technical terms of studies need to be translated. I'm happy to do that. But people are hitting me with like requests. Like, can you find all this literature and then can you explain it to me? And I'm like, you need to learn how to research. You need to learn how to read. You need to learn basic nutrition. You need, like every human being needs to learn that at this point to stay healthy, I believe. And there are people like us to help them. For sure. Um, there's a, a big element actually that got gangster over here will be interested in. Um, and I, you talked it, uh, about it on your, uh, podcast, uh, with, is it Krishan? Karan. Oh, Karan. Um, Karan Krishnan. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> um, and I'd love you to just talk about gut because you were mentioning how there are, um, ACE2 receptors in the gut and you're, it just leads right back into this talk of bad food and inflammation and uh, Dr. Paul also did mention um, LPS too. So I think that would be a really, it's, a, it's where it starts. So I'd love yeah. to jam on that for a little bit. Yeah, like all health starts or ends in the gut, I believe truly. And I live that personally, but, and I treat every patient's gut first. That's, doesn't matter what their condition is. Um, so we do know that this virus is attacking the gut and 
up to 50% of people are presenting with gastrointestinal symptoms and it's fecal oral. So if you flush your toilet and you don't wash your hand, if you flush your toilet with the lid open and you don't wash your hand, you might be aerosolizing it. I would be guessing, right? Because that's what happens when you aerosolize your poop when you flush the toilet. So it is landing and it likes to stay alive for a long time in these little fecal you know, particulate matter that is landing all over the bathrooms. So that's why if you go on the CDC's website and it, it, there's a whole page on what to do if you're sick. And it's like, it repeats constantly that you have to have your own bathroom. You have to be quarantined to your own bathroom and that no one else really should clean it. And if anyone else has to clean it, there's like all these rules around it. It's very, very serious. But if your gut mucosa is compromised, which is like everyone, everyone's gut mucosa is a little, seems to be a little bit compromised because of poor food choices or the standard American diet. Um, you start to get breaches in that mucosal layer and your gut is where the bulk of your immune system lies. It's where it's the first line of defense for your body and your immune system. And so we want to keep that mucosal layer healthy and intact, but unfortunately through, um, toxicity, poor food choices, just all kinds of things. I don't even want to bring up other reasons why, but just, you know, human beings in the modern age have been hit by a lot of things that are compromising their gut lining. And so there, that's one piece. Uh, we basically jacked up immune system because of poor gut function, like in a nutshell. And then secondly, there's these, this LPS, which is lipopolysaccharides. And that's when basically when you you could eat anything if you're, it depends on what your gut biome is, what the bugs in your gut living in your gut right now are, you could be producing LPS just by eating. You could be eating healthy food and produce LPS. And LPS is, if you go through Quran, Krishnan's work is responsible for every chronic illness ever. I just saw him present in Arizona and like he just had slide after slide after slide of every chronic condition being linked directly to LPS production. And they did a study, Microbiome Labs did a study of young college students and found an enormous amount of them producing LPS and then supplementing mm -hmm. with a specific probiotic, which I won't mention, and having really severe uh, improvement just from just not even changing their diet, just getting their flora altered. Mm -hmm. Those LPS are, are super antigenic, right? <clears throat> yes. And they light up your immune system and they... They just wreak havoc all the way up to like, uh, he, he's been on my podcast before a few times talking about it. He linked in anorexia and chronic, you know, eating disorders and mental emotional stuff, all of this being blamed on LPS. So it's kind of like, it's a toxin your own body makes mm -hmm. in response to the foods you're eating. It's, it, it's not, it's not something you want around. I think uh, Mike Mutzel talked about it on one of my podcasts too. So I, I've had Paul talk about it. I've heard all different kinds of takes, but basically the way I understand it is that you end up eating no matter what you eat. If you are, if you have an imbalanced flora in your gut due to whatever lifestyle factors in your whole life, your, your flora will shift just in relation to how you're eating on a day-to-day -day basis. So if they're produced, if those bugs are producing a lot of LPS, then you are. Am I right about this? Is this this is how I understand it? Well, yeah, that's that's the Dave's way. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, lipopolysaccharides from the bug. That, yeah, it's that's, from the bug. It's right, but it's made but in it's your the body. reaction yeah. of yeah. your yeah. body to yeah. so it it acts like a crazy like super crazy irritant. Like think of the most irritating person in your life, uh, <laughs> and that's what that's what LPS does to your immune system. 
Um, and it, it happens in quick relation to even eating though. So like you could be low, you could have low LPS in your system just because you haven't eaten in a few hours and then you eat something. It might be anything. I, I, we can't even say like high fat foods do tend in people who produce a lot of LPS because of their biome, high fat foods do tend to be the biggest culprit, but. Or a college diet apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then within hours of eating, all of a sudden LPS is high in the system and the person's experiencing brain fog, depression, anxiety, uh, joint pain, whatever, whatever system it's impacting. It's crazy. As someone who spent their whole life's anorexic, when he explained this, I was like, oh my gosh, that is what it was. It wasn't that I was sitting there being insubordinate saying, I'm not eating. It was like, I felt sick every time I ate. <laughs> so I quit eating. Yeah. You know, as, as like, as a child, as a young woman, that was my, as a teenager, that was my response. I'm like, well, I'll just won't eat because it. I feel like shit every time I eat. So yeah, I just went through that with a patient today. She stopped eating. Uh, she, she's really young. She's not eating much because you know what? She feels like crap when she eats. It's, you know, it's like, it's not hard. It's not hard to see why she's not eating as much. She just feels like crap after eating. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you have high LPS, which a lot of North Americans do, or a lot, a lot of people do in general, and then you're impacted by a viral load or some kind of onslaught to your immune system, you're, it's, that's a tough combo. So and, there's a lot then, of factors. Yeah. And then, and then the immune side of that, right? So maybe the same person or a different person eats the same food. So then maybe the LPS is, is made uh, equally, let's say in both these, these people's bodies, but the one person's immune system goes buck wild. Right. So then there's the immune side of it, which is um, why a lot of us can eat something. And then, you know, one of our friends, you know, can't eat it because their immune system goes buck wild from it. And that's I mean, I've always I still find that humbling with with diet and everything, how some foods can really, really totally throw your system. And you're like, what the hell? Like, I just ate chicken. I, I know somebody who's allergic to chicken. That's on the elimination diet. You know, like, right. it's, I don't know, the immune system is just so, uh, it's just so crazy. I mean, do you know any immune immunologists? Like they got to be the smartest people because the immune system is so complicated. It's, I, I'm like rubbing my head right now just thinking. <laughs> well, it is, but I, the way I think about it, the way Quran describes it is, and the way, way that we talked about it on my podcast was if you have uh, interesting flora, you need a variety of interesting flora in your gut. If you eat a poor if you don't eat an interesting diet full of good, healthy, nutritiously dense foods and good, healthy fibers and good, healthy proteins and good, healthy fats, then you're going to get a very limited, boring, somewhat homogenous flora, which is potentially more pathogenic. And the, you feed the bugs in your gut, whatever you eat. So if you feel the craving for sugar or you feel the craving for carbohydrates, it's probably because the bugs in your gut are calling you to eat it, right? Fungus, pathogenic organisms. So you can shift that even without supplementation, even without worrying so much about uh, is chicken going to set me off or whatever. If you eat a variety of healthy foods, you will then eventually end up with a variety of healthier organisms in your gut, which are not as LPS producing. That's the way I understand it. And that's the way Quran, he, he agreed with me. So we need an interesting and diverse diet to feed an interesting and diverse biome, which will keep our immune system interesting and diverse mm -hmm. instead of freaking out and attacking us or producing a ton of LPS in the gut. And or upregulating in, in relationship to this conversation, upregulating yeah. those receptors for the virus. Yeah. 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 Or all the things. I mean, the body's pretty brilliant. And those ACE2 receptors are protective. They're actually anti-inflammatory and protective. 
So mm-hmm. they're there, they're there to protect the body, but the virus is like, hey, this is where I glom on. And then if you start that, you start that immunologic robust storm, not just the cytokine storm, but you actually like I've had I've gotten pneumonia almost every year for many years. And when my lungs start to get really aggravated, that's when the secondary bacterial infection comes in. And so I'm getting a lot of questions about like this organism or that organism. And it's like, you know what, these are just opportunistic organisms. And if your lungs are inflamed because you're dealing with some kind of response from the from a vi- any virus for that matter, influenza, any of them, and now there's a secondary bug living around, now it's become opportunistic. Whereas before it maybe was even synergistic or it was just cohabitating with you quietly and sitting in your body. But now all of a sudden it's like, hey, vacancy sign, let's go. We've got mm-hmm. a clean tissue. Let's get on it. And so that's, that's how this virus is taking people down. And your immune system is constantly trying to keep everything in check. That's why, um, and I think Paul talks, Dr. Anderson talks about this a lot too, is when you have like all these multiple co-infections of, of like just a baseline amount of sort of bugs in us that our immune system is sort of trying to keep in, in, uh, you know, within reach of, of not, you know, keeping them in check. Yeah. And then, and then some, that's that's why you you know like that secondary uh infection you're talking about like they they kick you when you're down and so if you have already like dysbiosis like nasty bugs in your guts i i can't imagine that it's it's probably more right than wrong that you're probably more likely to have problems with any new virus or new bacteria because your immune system's already like it's got limited resources it's not like infinite resources um so i don't know I, i don't know how those are probably the people we see you know those people that just have like low grade like lymphopenia like just low grade low white blood cells and you're like how are your teeth what's in your gut what like where's this coming from but like you know add this virus in which like buckets those cells yeah it's you're starting with less and i think people I think people were showing up with lymphopenia yeah uh, yeah that's one of the lab markers of of covid um yeah, you're taking a drained, that was me forever, mm-hmm. forever, like white blood cells in the toilet for years and years and years and years. And you're taking an already compromised, tired system, and then you're throwing a virulent virus at it. And if this person is inflamed on top of it, and they're eating shit all the time, and they're not sleeping, and they're staying up all night, especially young, I'm really worried about young people who vape. Like my daughter yeah. and all her friends, they stay up all night long watching Netflix on their phones, vaping, and they don't think anything's wrong with it. And I'm like, you guys are all going to get hammered someday by something that you just wouldn't even expect, you know, and there's nothing it's, it's, that's, you have to take care, you have to respect your body or eventually it will give you a big F you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something Karan talked about too, in one of the Instagram lives we did is that this virus is going to go from pandemic to endemic, meaning it's going to become a regular thing that circulates through our populations every year. And it already is becoming endemic, according to Heather Zewicki, who I interviewed on my podcast, and she's an immunologist. And now we're looking at influenza with corona on top of it seasonally. Mm-hmm. What, is that, what is that going to do to the human population? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, this year has been a pretty mild influenza season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tina, um, you know, we, as we talked with Dr. Paul and pretty much any topic we talk about, we wave the flag of healthy foundations. And so I think our listeners are are getting used to us talking about that. Are there any that, um, you know, we've talked today about gut and healthy diet. You mentioned heat. 
um, and you men mentioned muscle. Are there any other ones that you're that that kind of are the, the foundations that are not negotiable for you? I think that something I've learned as I've gotten older really is just to manage my monkeys and not, not engage. I have a hot temper and that's something I, especially now when you're kind of locked up and cooped up, it's easy to get, to let that go. But every time I feel myself get angry, it's, as I get older, I'm realizing those reserves are becoming less and less like Dave was talking <laughs> about. And if I have an anger outburst, it's exceedingly draining to me. Whereas when I was younger, I could get angry and I'd just flow right through it. It was like no big deal. And now I find that I'm exhausted for like 24 hours. I don't feel good. I usually get a headache. I usually get diarrhea. Like it's, there's a full on physical impact with every time you experience emotions and lungs are related to grief in Chinese medicine. And so I really encourage everybody to just learn to sit quietly with their emotions and learn to manage their monkeys. And maybe that word is meditation. Maybe it's prayer, uh, whatever it is for each individual, but it might just be exercise. I'm really good at quieting my mind when I move. So for me, I need some kind of movement and meditation, but really just knowing that when you are, if you if you're holding on to grudges, if you're holding on to grief, if you're holding on to anger, every time you think about those or start ruminating those, you're having that actual chemical physical response in real time happening in your body, and that is probably the worst thing for your immune system out of everything we talked about, in my opinion. Do you think right now um, is a really good time for people to uh, reach out to an naturopath or because I I feel like at least in our neck of the woods we're I feel like, I don't know if muzzled is the right word, but I, I do feel like we're really, mm, everyone's really tiptoeing around having anything to say. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think, you, so you, uh, did you answer already? Unless, <laughs> unless they're people who don't know anything, then they have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think. I, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're all pivoting to, tell, well, I'm not, but most practicing naturopathic doctors are pivoting to telemedicine. And in some states here in the U.S. and in some provinces, we're allowed to take on new patients under the telemedicine law. So I'm not speaking for where you are. I don't know what the rules and regulations are there. But anyone who's an established patient, definitely reach out to your doctor and see if you can't have a telemedicine consult. And every, naturopathic doctors are specifically, this is what we do. This is our jam. This is what we do. We are singly probably the most skilled people to de be dealing with a compromised immune system right now and inflammation. And then secondly, if you're, if you're not established with a naturopathic practitioner, consider reaching out and seeing what you can do. You might have to find one in a different province or state, depending on what the laws are. But um, being able to talk to somebody on video face to face and have them address your unique needs. This is individualized medicine. This is not we're not doing a blanket approach. You know, there's no algorithm. There's no if then. It's like we're treating the person in front of us to just be more resilient. And, and really, it comes down to good homeostasis. So finding someone to help you work with your homeostasis is <laughs> the key. Yeah. And I think that's where we shine. And, and we make people hard to kill, which is way cooler yeah. and more yeah. succinct than what I was trying to say yesterday. <laughs> Hearing some stuff about like maybe healthier people get uh, less sick when they get sick. You know, that, that's a bit of a mouthful. But like, yeah, it's the same idea. It's like just making you hard to kill, which is way cooler. Anti-fragile, yeah. anti, anti uh, mm -hmm. more resilient, whatever, mm -hmm. better homeostasis. I just want to bounce better. Like I always think of that. Like whatever's going to hit me, I want to bounce off it better, whether that's physically, mm -hmm. immunologically, mentally. I just want to be able to like bounce and recover 
much faster than I used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, th- this week and this week, you know, a vi- it took a virus to do that. I think it's, it's, there's a lot of silver linings and I've talked to a lot of my patients virtually this week um, that, you know, it found it hard at first, but it, there, there's a lot of positive that is going to come out of this too. And I mean, not to negate the people who are, are very sick and, and, and fighting a very serious illness, but um, I've also heard lots of positive stories of, of silver linings and, and lessons learned. And I, I do hope that continues um, for perspectives on health too. Yeah, think about it. I mean, just really quickly, never before in our, my entire life of being on this planet have there been such an opportunity to learn to cook, learn to cook at home with your family, learn to sit down. We need to bring the family dinner back, you know, the table, mm-hmm. like sit there and look at my boyfriend and I sit next to each other staring at a TV or something. I'm like, we need to be face to face having mm-hmm. dinner that we cook together. Like what a, what a concept, what a time to really double down on your physical fitness and get some movement in. you got nothing better to do. What a wonderful time to like engage your children and play and, and, mm-hmm. and, and your partner do a puzzle, just engage your brain in different ways besides just drowning out in front of the news or in front of your phone. This is, this is an opportunity. This is like a vacation to get your health in order. Mm-hmm. And really have the best chance of dealing with whatever comes your way. And there's going to be more, right? Like the, the whole idea of like waiting for a vaccine. I'm not going to, I'm never, I'm never ever going to be on record trashing a vaccine. By the way, I'd never, I think that's like, not at all. I, no. I, I think that's like categorically wrong in so many ways, but I'm not going to wait for a vaccine for COVID to, to be my savior. And then, like I said, crush a whole bunch of beers, smoke a bunch of butts and, and just like sloth around, you know, like I'm, the immune system is so adaptable and, and has kept us, you know, look, look at our forefathers or ancestors, you know, we are, we're the summation of all that like immune knowledge. We have that because we were survivors and it's so adaptable and there's going to be more pandemics, right? There's going to be more. And I, I don't hear a lot of that talk, I guess. I mean, you said at the beginning, there will be more pandemics and we need to, you know, build ourselves up so we're not a good vessel for those little buggers and we're harder to kill. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not relying on any outside source to make me more resilient. I am I, I would be delighted if there was a vaccine. I hope that there is, but we all know that vaccines in weakened systems that don't have an immune response aren't mm-hmm. that effective. So we need, and that's science, right? So we need to be harder to kill. We, I am relying on myself and every single thing I do, everything I put in my mouth is either making me healthier or making me sicker. Every time I stay up too late on my phone, I'm impacting my immune system negatively. Mm-hmm. It's up to me. I'm relying on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other part of this conversation is, um, and I, I know Dave's big on this, and I know you're maybe partially partial to stoicism too. But you know, we we're not above the laws of nature, right? We we, and I think sometimes we forget that. And you know, the zebra is going to eat the hyena, and we are not immune. What planet? The zebra is going to eat the hyena. Hyena eats the zebra, I guess. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, I saw a video yeah, yesterday. We do. <laughs> I, saw, I know we're losing our, we're losing I, it. <laughs> I saw you guys, I saw a video on Instagram yesterday of a group, a pack of hyenas going after a, a female lioness. 
oh my gosh. And she was backed up against a Jeep and she was growling the most guttural growl, just trying to keep them off. And they kept trying to come at her. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Mm-hmm. No, you know, and my background was in animal behaviorism. I studied marine biology and animal behaviorism. That's what I was going to do before I became, went into medicine. And I am so thankful for it because I understand how mammals work. We're just fancy mammals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah. above any laws. We just yeah. have an opposable thumb, which makes us more destructive and we have an upright stature and a big brain, but, um, our systems are still contingent on the laws of, of nature and mother nature gets pissed sometimes. And in any, any species, like I was, I was studying coronaviruses, uh, in different animal species. There's like, there are some viruses that rip through piglets when there's a herd of pigs and the pit they're sick. They, it rips through the piglets and it kills all the piglets by like gastrointestinal discharge. Uh, there's some viruses that rip through and kill all the chickens. And so it's calling the herd. I hate to say that. I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, but this is viruses come through to call the herd. That's and, and I mean, I think that to take a, a positive slant on that too, <laughs> and to not I know it be, sounds terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> hyenas eating. Well, I brought it up, but they got it wrong. <laughs> but, um, the positive slant there is that when, you, when we do follow the rules of nature and actually sleep for a third of our life and eat the food we were genetically determined to eat, and you know, when we're following nature, we're probably going to be more resilient to her ways. Yes. And maybe we won't win. Maybe as individuals. That lion is. Yeah. But you know, I was telling my mom the other day, I was like, you know what, if this takes me out, at least I know the past three to five years, I have worked so hard to make myself harder to kill. So at least I know I'm going out with a bang because I, it wasn't like I was sitting around dinking around with my health. I was taking things very seriously and trying very hard in a, in a non-pathological way, you know, but Mm -hmm. as best as I could to, to make myself resilient because mother nature always wins. Well, I mean, and Mother Nature is bigger than viruses and she's bigger than us, you know, like I, cause I have that, um, that, that product Sorlex that, that I, um, uh, developed for symptoms of, of herpes simplex. So cold source, which is an intracellular virus, which is so bizarre. But like, if you go, cause I had to reset, I was like, why do these viruses even exist? It's so, it's so crazy, but we basically, it's been like, we've been going toe to toe, with viruses forever, they evolve something. Then boom, we evolve something in our immune system, another another check for the immune system here. Then they evolve something. Then we evolve something for the immune system to like an antidote to their antidote. And they, it's been, it's just like evolution is just crazy. So in the end, I'm, I am gonna put, um, put more of my uh, uh, stock in our immune system at some point having a counter punch here and then they'll have another thing and then we'll have another it's just going to go on like this it is because it's like ping pong because viruses hijack our cellular mechanisms to reproduce themselves so they need Mm -hmm. us that's the thing that i don't know if people understand that's what i was saying in that video that went viral is they need the virus needs our cellular mechanisms to reproduce themselves and viruses don't want to kill their host Otherwise, they burn out the population too fast. They need to, they, if they're going to spread through a population, they want to spread as long on simmer as they can. They don't want to burn up the host. They don't want to come in like Ebola and just, psh. the reason yeah. Ebola doesn't eradicate the globe is because it burns too hot and fast and it melts the person, too, the, 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 the host too quickly. And this virus is like a nice, slow simmer. 
<laughs> yeah, those are the two. Those are the two strategies of viruses. I know from my research too. It's like a great example. Yeah, you go you go fast and furious, and you you may kill the host really fast, but you in doing so, it's going so fast and furious, it's just gonna like burn hot. And then the other one is is uh, the coronavirus is like the slow and steady. That's actually what the uh, herpes virus is like too. Yeah, like the cold sore virus doesn't want to kill you. Just you might get sick for a bit, but then it's gonna spread while you're sick. And then that's the strategy of the herpes virus too. It's very interesting. There's some analogies there. Yeah, we're the vector. And it doesn't want to kill the vector. It wants to keep the vector moving. Mm -hmm. That's why we got to stay home. We can't, that's why we got to stay home. Mm -hmm. All right, Dr. Tina. <laughs> we, uh, we burn through, we burn fast and furious through that topic. And, <laughs> and you brought your passion as always. So thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. Um, we want to give a shout out. You have just the best slogans. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Tina on drtina.com has her book uh, called Pain Free and Strong. What was your alternative title? Get Your Shit Together. <laughs> that was what I wanted to call it. Yeah, that there's, one seems really relevant now. There's really no better way to end this. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, yeah. It's just the six pillars of health. It's I wrote yeah. it from I wrote it for my daughter. It's a quick read. It's it's like 80 pages. You can it's on Kindle. It's free. You can get a free PDF at drtina.com or you can buy it on your Kindle. Um, you can read it in a night. It was designed for a grandma to read, a teenager to read, uh, a dude who doesn't like to read to read, who or woman whoever. But it's really mm -hmm. just the six pillars and it's straight talk it's referenced and it's short and simple and it's probably a good time to read it now it's a great time to read yeah. it yeah and, and share so, it yeah and follow this actually this double doctor no i didn't think we really uh, mentioned it at the start that you are a chiropractic and naturopath and trained uh, concurrently, which is as badass as it gets but <laughs> please follow this double doctor on instagram too because she just has like truth bomb after truth bomb. So it's Dr. Tina, T-Y-N-A is your handle there. Thank you. Yeah, please do. Um, I'm trying to just keep up in real time and deal with all of it as we all are. Because, you know, we're, I guess the, what really made me realize this the other day is that we're just, we're all in this together, like mm -hmm. as a human race. Mm -hmm. We're all just trying to help each other. So everybody be kind and to mm -hmm. each other. Be kind to each other on social media. This is not the time to be blowing up people's accounts you know like yeah. we need to, we need to be kind and helpful as much as any of us can and we all need to bring our gifts to the field because shit's getting real <laughs> this is not a dress rehearsal and i i just on a final note i think there's been lots of evidence of how we've all brought our gifts like you can see people sewing masks for hospital hospitals and you know it, it's kind of been neat to see how everyone has found a way to contribute so yeah for yeah. sure so thank you for your contributions and uh, I'm sure we will chat again soon. Yeah. Thank you for yours. Thank you guys for having me on. I love you both. Be well. You too. Okay, you too. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye.